How will blockchain help to decentralize the cannabis supply chain? Find out more in Season 2, Episode 7 with Mike from Greenstream, a Canadian technology company looking to bring transparency and accountability with the use of their platform to help regulate the legalization of cannabis in Canada. You're not going to want to miss that episode. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say. How long does it take you to get a duty rate or guidance on the right HS classification from your current customs broker? With Border Buddy's new revolutionary self-service technology, you will never go traditional again. We have created a platform that allows you to get instant quotes on duties, taxes, and customs fees to import your products into North America. To get 10% off your first clearance, sign up at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain. It is another amazing day here at Let's Talk Supply Chain, and I hope wherever you are that you are also having a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in and rating or reviewing us on iTunes. Remember, if you do that, I will feature you on an upcoming episode. The listener of the week is Dormer T, and he left a review back when we were Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, and here's what he had to say. Look, let's face it. When you hear logistics podcast, your immediate instinct is to run away. Most podcasts in this space are about as fun to listen to as studying for the brokerage exam. But the two hosts keep it very interesting. They have a great dynamic source, compelling guests, and never overstay their welcome. Their show is a welcome addition to my podcast subscription rotation. So thank you so much, Doomer T. That's D-O-O-M-E-R-T. And we appreciate your support then and now. And um, please remember to keep your reviews coming. Today, I am interviewing another powerhouse woman in supply chain. She is the owner of Moriah Logistics and has over 30 plus years in the industry. We are going to get to know Kelly, her advice, and her thoughts about women and millennials in supply chain. Kelly Saunders is the president and CEO of Morai Logistics, Inc., a certified female-owned authorized agent of mode transportation. As a multi-award winning entrepreneur and leader, Kelly Saunders is an influential voice in the logistics supply chain and 3PL industry. With over 30 years of experience, her pioneering spirit and industry expertise has grown her business into the successful multi-million dollar multinational organization that it is today. Believing in the power of paying it forward, Kelly has spoken at several 
panels, and industry conventions that aim at advancing the role of women in leadership positions and to educate people about careers in logistics. For her efforts, she has received numerous industry recognition, most recently the OWIT, Toronto's Woman Exporter of the Year 2016, and WXN Canada's Most Powerful Women Top 100. Welcome to the show, Kelly. My God, Sarah, thank you. Very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to be talking with you today because you came recommended for this series by a few people in the industry. Oh, delightful. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to have you on. And now that we know a little bit about you from your bio, why don't you tell us about Morai Logistics? Well, um, Mariah Logistics was started by myself back in 2010, and what we are is a third-party logistics provider. Um, we have a actually we have an operating agency agreement representing a company named Mode Transportation, which is based in Dallas. But what we do is we provide uh, intermodal, full truckload, less than truckload, small pack package services cross borders. So that being Mexico, Canada, and the United States, and also domestically within each, um, each country. And so we have a diverse client base that we're servicing from consumer goods, hazardous material, uh, beverage products, specifically in the beer industry, which is always a lot of fun and everybody can relate to that. Um, and we really concentrate on making the client successful. That is truly our goal at Mariah Logistics for attention to detail, concern for the client, and really truly caring about their business and their customer's business. Awesome. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about how you do that. Well, you know, I, I you know, I, I honestly say um, I'm blessed to have a fantastic team of really dedicated people that run the day-to-day business. You I mean, I'm fortunate that way where operationally, I, I personally don't get involved because I really feel I have the best of the best when it comes to staffing. So um, the way they do it is, is really sit down with a client to understand specifically what they need. And it's not only at the client basis at a, you know, a C-suite or, you know, senior level, but it's digging down to the operational plants that we're working with to the receivers. So we do spend a lot of time doing our due diligence to understand understand specifically what the client needs. You know, there's one thing to go out into the marketplace and to put out a rate. The other is to actually understand how to move the product at lowest total cost. So we become very intimate with a client when we onboard them in order to clearly understand the expectations that everyone has. And I give credit to my fantastic team. Um, they do an excellent job doing that. And we're, again, we're, um, because of our Mexico market, we have the opportunity to do that in both English and Spanish because half of my staff are bilingual. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. Um, so shout out to your team. Yeah, very much. So, yeah, let's talk about your journey to success. You know, where did you start? How did you sort of grow up in the industry? Um, and what, you know, made you make the decision to start Morai Logistics? I was, I've had a very blessed career path and I was hired back in the early 80s, mid 80s, I'll say, by a gentleman who was very entrepreneurial. And this gentleman, his name is Mike McElhone, hired what was young kids 
and he taught us the business. And not only did he teach us the transportation business, and at that time it was specifically intermodal services, but he taught us how to read an income statement, a balance sheet, how to appreciate technology, um, even down to the part of teaching us how to um, purchase and plan our RSPs. You know, he was years ahead of himself in the sense of um, taking what was millennials, you know, I'll say that, but we were like, I feel like the first generation of millennials in our organization back in the 80s to really appreciate and understanding value for a client and what that meant. And um, this gentleman um, sadly lost his wife and he really wanted to get back to society. And part of his way of doing that was to allow some of us to actually buy into his organization. And we later went out and knew that we wanted to sell the company and sold to an organization in Portland, Oregon, who later divested us to an organization in Memphis, who then made me an independent contractor. And so years went by and, you know, some of us are actually from the original organization, but time went by and I um, essentially what happened was I bought the company back and represented it through um, an agency based out of the mode transportation um, umbrella. Awesome. Awesome. So you worked for the company, went through some of the transitions of, and the journey of sort of that company. And then you came back on yourself and, and, and bought it. I I think that's just amazing. Cause, and I think for a lot of women in business and supply chain and things like that, they actually don't think about doing something like that. You know, it's about starting your own business, starting a new business, which is very, very, very difficult. But if you've been in business for a long time and you're sort of watching what's happening, you know, with the owners and things like that, you, you, there's a lot of opportunity there. There's significant opportunity. Um, and you know, I, I really feel supply chain should come to the scenario where it's gender neutral. Um, you know, there's, there's some of us in, females in the industry that are encouraging other women to come in, but not only to work in the industry, but to also, you know, put some skin in the game and actually own their, their, um, own businesses because it is a dynamic industry and it's one that is extremely rewarding. Um, on many aspects. And it's an area that I believe has a lot of opportunity for male and males and females. Yeah, I would agree. And I want to thank you because I think you're doing a lot for women in this industry. I mean, you are speaking at numerous events you know, on a yearly basis, you're, you're giving back to the community, um, not only, you know, women, but women and men, um, with your knowledge and your background and you're, you're really taking it and, you know, owning it and being one of the only women on stage. And I love that. Thank you. Um, I, I feel it's important. I feel a part of, the opportunity that I was given when I was in my 20s um, wouldn't have happened if I didn't have the leadership of the gentleman that I worked for. And I all it's, part of me wants to pay it forward because I feel that I have had the wonderful opportunity to have a very successful career, which has been supported by so many great people. But if I can help anybody in the marketplace, be it in supply chain or any other industry, um, I feel it's important to, um, to share and to tell our stories and to encourage others. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And and to be able to be out there and, and talking to people and, and being in front and on that stage and, and really talking about, you know, subjects that are important, not only to this industry, but other industries and, and just giving back because it's, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of preparation. Um, it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of being away from home yeah. and, and different things like that. And I don't think people maybe sometimes realize some of the work that goes into it and some of the sacrifices, um, that you do as a speaker within any industry. So, well, and, and being, we are a very traditional male dominated industry. I feel that as a female, to be able to go to seminars, conferences, um, organizations, to be able to speak, to either be on panels or to be keynote, allows others to see the message that we can put out. And again, if we don't take that step to participate, I feel that it would not allow others to want to entertain or come into the industry. And I see more and more that men have done a wonderful job encouraging the lean forward, you know, aspect um, of, of both male and, and uh, females. But again, we have to, we have to share the news. We have to go out there and speak. We have to go and tell others that this is a really good industry to get into. Um, it's interesting. I sat at a couple of conferences that one of the railroads put together uh, with academia and it talked about how MBA students don't look at supply chain as a field to enter. They would much rather go into uh, accounting, um, finance, engineering versus looking at supply chain as an opportunity. So as an industry leader, I believe that we have to go out and we have to really tell the story because we need to encourage others to come into the industry. especially with the millennials now, especially with MBA students or any student, college, high school, university. It's very important that we, we reach out. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and it's, you know, you're finding it more and more these days. That there's a lot of, you know, MBA programs, a lot of different supply chain programs that are out there because people are realizing that it is a really important part of business. And this is, you know, one of the reasons why I started the podcast, Yeah, you know, is really to be able to highlight some of the people in this industry, men, women, what have you, but I want to highlight, you know, innovation. I want to highlight people's careers so that, so that younger generations can understand the pathways that they have. And they're not all straight and they do go in different directions and um, what the opportunities are like. And, and that is one of the reasons why I started the podcast and I will actually be starting to speak. I've spoken a few times at uh, George Brown. I'm going to be on a panel at the CIFA conference in October. And um, I can tell you for, you know, for some of the women that are listening to this, this episode, it was a very soul searching moment. And I believe that that's the same for other women, especially in this industry, because it is male dominated. It is, you know, and it, you know, it's kind of, it brought up some of the questions, you know, am I that right person? Am I the person that can, you know, get up there and, and, and talk about this? Do I have the background, the knowledge, things like that? And I'm getting, you know, a little bit personal right now, but I truly believe that if I don't bring this up, there are other women that are thinking the same things and they're not seizing those opportunities because of those questions. Well, you know, it's, they say statistically that a male if they see the opportunity for a job opportunity, they will go after that position, even though they are technically only qualified for 60% of it. 
Yet a woman will wait until she's 100, 110% qualified for that job before they will apply for it. And I think as a female, and as I speak to other, other women in the industry or not in the industry, I think we have to take that leap to believe that we can do anything, but we don't have to have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted. You know, we have to go after it. And if we don't, we lose that opportunity. We also look at traditional roles, you know, especially, you know, in supply chain, you will see um, females that will go towards a administrative role versus thinking that they could actually be great at driving a truck, being a dispatcher, being a C- in the C-suite, um, looking at that sales and marketing. So again, we've, we tend to fall into that traditional role and I encourage that we don't have to do that. We have so much to give and females tend to multitask very, very well. And there's, I think there's this perception that we have to stay in that same um, area where we can't explore further. And I really, really push people that they need to look outside their limitations, what they perceive to be their limitations and to exceed at what they, they want to do. Absolutely. And it's the only way for growth. It is. It is. Um, you know, I, my, I was raised by a very, very entrepreneurial dad and a lesson that he taught me many lessons, but two that he taught me in particular was you have to ask for what you want. We can't assume in any aspect of our life, professionally or personally, that anybody else knows what we want. We have to ask for it. And when we ask nine out of 10 times, we get what we're asking for. So having that, you know, Sometimes it, it, people are scared to do that or nervous to do that. But when you ask for it, you will get what you want. But you can't assume anybody else is knowing what you're needing. The other, yeah, yeah sorry, I, co- I completely agree with that. And I just want to interject there because it's also just asking the question and being prepared for a yes or no. You don't know the response unless you ask. Exactly. It's, you know, in a negotiation for a job opportunity, um, having a conversation with a client or a supplier or your family member. I mean, you just don't know. You have to ask for it. And he also taught us, uh, my brother and my sister and sisters and I, but you can't leave a conversation not asking everything that you wanted. You can't leave a conversation saying, ah, I really wanted to ask this, but I didn't. So it's almost like clear your mind of everything that you were wanting to put on the table. Yeah. And everybody's done that, you know, you know, a couple of times in their lives, everybody's done that. I know I I have, right. you know, in hindsight, I was like, Oh man, I wish I would have, you know, said yeah. this and maybe asked that. So exactly. Yeah. So I think that's a really great point. Okay. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, you know, what are the challenges that you see for women in supply chain? Um, I just brought one up, you know, with even, even in the speaking, you know, uh, with the speaking idea, you know, and the fact that, you know, I had some challenges personally to overcome to, to even get there to, you know, say yes. And, 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 you know, take that plunge, you know, into sort of the next step of my career. So for me personally, and I'm sure for another other women in supply chain, I think just believing that you don't need to have all the answers and, you know, moving forward and saying yes and, and making being uncomfortable and, and really um, accepting that growth, those growth opportunities, you know, for yourself as a woman in supply chain. But what other challenges do you see? 
But, you know, Sarah, that, those are all really good points because what you're making reference to sometimes because it becomes that we don't see that we're at times worthy enough or it could be perceived that we're too timid or scared or believe somebody else is better. And I believe that everybody has so much to give. There's so much strength in everyone as individuals to be able to grow and to, to get what they want. But I think we also, again, to that point, like you did, you took that leap. You have to take the leap to move forward. Um, and you have to, again, ask for what that leap is. Uh, I think sometimes we're held back by old perceptions and a perception becomes reality. So sometimes I see the challenge for for women, not only in supply chain, but period, is, is simply to have that courage to, to take that step forward. And when you do, you do extremely well. We've seen a change in the industry, which is to the positive. We're seeing that more women are being welcomed into new and exciting roles. We're seeing statistically where um, women are getting into the industry, but also going into the educational aspect of it. So these are all positive things. And I'll give you a great example. The Toronto Transportation Club runs awesome events. And one event that we run, and I probably will tell you, I'm, I'm the, I was the second female president in 97 years of the club. And since then, we've had two other lovely uh, female presidents, and we have a, a, a fifth lady coming in, which is wonderful. Uh, but we run a lunch and learn. The first year we ran our lunch and learn, we had maybe 105 attendees. Now we sell out at 350 attendees, being dominantly female, but also male, which is terrific. And the only reason why we peak at that 350 is because the venue that we've chosen to run the event in, that's the max that they can hold it at. So we're seeing a growth. And I see that overall throughout the U.S. and Canada. And delightfully, I see a large female presence in Mexico in supply chain, which is continuing to grow. So I think as we continue to tell our stories and our success stories, we're starting to see a development and we're starting to see more and more women get involved. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I mean, myself as well, I'm on the board of directors for FIT, the Forum for International Trade Training. And yes. the board is run by an amazing woman, uh, Leslie, and the organization, the FIT organization, is run by another amazing lady, uh, Caroline Tompkins. And, you know, I find that I, I just love being involved on a board that is, you know, run by powerhouse women, um, mm -hmm. women that I can look up to, women that I can, I can learn from. And I've learned a lot from Leslie and Caroline, as well as the rest of the board as well, um, because this was my first board position. Awesome. You know, and yeah, there's a lot to learn, um, especially when you're doing it by telephone because they're out of Ottawa. So it's hard for me to get there for every single meeting. But um, I've learned I've just learned a lot by being on the board. And that's another thing that I would say to women in the industry. Get involved. See what yes. boards, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits like fit um, that are looking for, you know, board members. They're looking for other people in the industry to um, take some of those seats and, br and bring their innovation and their new ideas and things like that. So that's even a stepping stone. Um, I was the chair of their planning committee for their conference last year. Um, and it was an amazing, amazing conference. It was really, really, really well done. Um, and that's purely from the team that we had on the, on the planning 
committee. Um, but there's, you know, there's different opportunities like that that you can get involved with that sort of dips your toe in a little bit and you sort of see what other people are doing. And, and you can, you can even take baby steps like that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oh, exactly. You know, I sit on currently on two boards. I used to sit on three and the experience that you get from it, it's fantastic. Um, you know, the networking alone is, is just wonderful. And, you know, you take that baby step, but then you learn that you kind of like that baby step. And before you know it, you're running. And I think too, once we get that taste of that experience, you also find out that it's not rocket science. It's actually good people that you're surrounded with, with a common goal. And I believe the intimidation comes down. I think sometimes we think we're intimidated that we can't do these things. We really can't. And we do a really, really good job at it. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked at the beginning of the the interview, you you mentioned the gender gap. So I think you have a few examples of some of the companies that are doing a really good job at closing that gender gap. Can you give us a couple of examples and why you think they're doing such a good job? Because I really think that if we can share this information, maybe other companies can take a look at what they're doing internally as well. Well, I think of a couple of companies and, and, you know, uh, part of my feeling of this is because they are, they have strong, delightful women in their C-suite, um, GX transportation, um, Transcore link logistics, you know, just a couple examples. Um, they, you know, and I'll even say that Mariah logistics, you know, we, we look at, you know, taking that, the gender gap and really narrowing it. And often I think it's not so much a gender, but it's of bringing on the best of the best. Because when you bring the best of the best into your organizations, you're building on people's strengths, you know, which is the ideal uh, way of running our businesses versus, you know, concentrating on somebody's weakness. You know, if you recall way back when you go into a job interview and somebody would say, what are your three weaknesses? You know, I, I kind of think that's always a silly aspect. You should be asking what, what your strengths are because that's what we should use going forward with our organizations. Um, so, you know, with regards to that, um, I'm seeing a better improvement with not only gender, but blending the millennials and those of us that are seasoned, because you take the difference of the diversity of the gender, um, the difference with the age groups, you really get a lot of experience and great ideas from everyone. So when you blend your organization, I personally believe that you're going to get the best of all worlds. Yes, yes, yes. I completely agree with that. And, you know, like you said, it's not just about, you know, promoting women. It's, it's about having the best of the best on your man, on your managerial team, you know, in your C-suite, people that are willing to mentor others, help others, you know, even help them with their limiting beliefs. Um, I think that truly makes really, really good leaders. So um, I just want to mention here that you and your team have been so amazing and you've provided us with a couple of, um, you know, free downloads for our listeners on a couple of different subjects. Uh, One of them is on women and millennials that we're talking about today. And the other one is on offshoring. So if anybody wants to go and download that, that's going to be on our website at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode eight. Um, They're also going to have some more freebies at their uh, website. And I will provide that link to you um, on the episode page as well. So 
just going back to that sort of presentation and what people are going to learn from that, you know, I love the slide of the different generational communication styles. Yes. What exactly does that mean? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a really great slide. Um, you know, you look at the baby boomers, um, you know, my sister, you know what I mean? This is very much my sister. She's the baby boomer and she will send her communication through a letter. You know what I mean, write me. You know I mean, that's so key where with my generation, generation X, it's simply call me. And then as we move forward with, with generation Y and generation Z, you know, got the emailing and then the texting. You know, it makes me wonder where we're going to be 20 years from now. Um, but you see a difference in communication style. And that becomes fairly key when, we, when we're in our organizations that millennials will love to text. But those of us that are seasoned are saying, you know, in Generation X saying, you know, phone me. Like, I, I want to talk to you on the telephone. Why are you sending me this text message? But the reality is in 2020, you know, 50 to 55% of the population is going to be the millennial generation in the workforce. So we're going to see more of this wonderful technology driving how we make decisions, how we buy, how we sell, um, who we sell to. So we really have to adapt to the differences. But when you look at the generational styles, I mean, we're all so different um, based on those of us that were, you know, raised on somewhat of technology versus the, you know, generations that are based 100% or raised at 100% on technology. The world is definitely changing. And I personally feel for the better. Yeah, I would agree with that. I kind of I kind of chuckled a little bit because I'm a pen and paper type person. And I'm also a telephone person. I just think sometimes conversations can just be done more effective and more efficiently over the phone. And I guess it depends on what it is. But Exactly. Exactly. But I know my social media uh, manager, he's a millennial and he will laugh at me. He will say, Kelly, don't go printing this slide presentation because I know that's what you're about to do. We need to do this electronically. So you see the difference in the, in the skill, in the philosophy, um, but it is delightful. Yeah, yeah. We, we all need that, you know, little nudge and reminder sometimes. Exactly. Um, so let's get into millennials a little bit. You know, what do millennials want? I think that, and it's funny because I feel like we've been talking about millennials for a long time. And I feel like there's another force coming into the workforce. I'm not sure what they're called. Um, and I think it's a little bit of, you know, there's sort of a mixture between millennials and then the next generation after them. Again, I don't know what, what they're called. Um, but I just feel like we've been talking about millennials for a very long time. And is it just that we should be looking at what millennials want or, or maybe the next generation after them as well? Very much. You know, I, you know, 18% of the millennials that have been surveyed say they really want a fun place to work. You mean that that's important to them. So we've seen, you know, extremes um, from organizations that have bars that have, you know, bring your pet to, to work, um, which is, you know, fun. Um, footballs being thrown throughout the office, lots of color, lots of t-shirts, um, hairdressers coming in to, you know, cut hair during the day. You know, I mean, there's been a lot of organizations that have done that. Coyote Logistics, which is based in Chicago, they're a great organization as to how to make a fun environment for um, millennials. And they have some great uh, social media that supports that and how they actually go out and find um, 
their millennials to come work for them. They really are trying to attract them and do a really good job at it. But, you know, you get the sense that um, the millennials really want that coach. They're looking for somebody that's going to have a personal interest in them and give them guidance, who's going to develop their strengths. Again, it's that generation that everybody wins. So they don't want to talk about weaknesses. And again, I go back to that, how we talk about our strengths with individuals of any age. But the millennials are really looking for somebody that's going to build their strengths and give them a task that they really want to run with that's going to offer them, you know, really positive, constructive feedback. So I find, you know, with the millennials that I have in my office, that is really true. They, they want that sit down, coach me, walk me through this. What do you think of my idea? But they also want to put into good. You mean they want to give back. How can we make this better for society? I do see that as a trait that they have. And it's something that I feel in my generation allows us to sit and sit back and say, yes, that, that is really important. Like, how are we as an organization? What is Mariah Logistics doing for the community? And the millennials do really make that up you know, a, a light, you know, and it's flashing at me, how are we doing better for the world? And I think that's a, a great way to think. They also were the first tech, you know, generation to truly grow up on technology. So they become innovative and I believe that they will take risk. Um, they tackle problems and really look at ways with some of their thinking, how do we can increase our bottom line? And at the end of the day, that's one of you know our key objectives is how can we become more profitable as organizations in supply chain or other? Yeah, I agree with that. So I know I spoke about, you know, sort of the new millennials. What is the difference between past millennials and the new millennials? I, I, are the new millennials like mm-hmm. the next generation or how, like, how are you sort of differentiating that? I I like to think, you know, I call past millennials in my, in my mind is... The young people I grew up with in the industry back in the you know mid eighties, early nineties, you know, I really think that a lot of the innovation and tackling problems and really giving a damn came from our generation as well. So even though we weren't raised with the technology, I almost feel that we were the first generation, you know, coming into that aspect. Um, maybe it was the environment that I was in when I was at Inter-American Transport. It, that could very well be the thinking that I have. Um, so I call us like the past millennials. But when you see the change in technology you know, from a telex machine to a fax machine, you know, I have to laugh. My niece called me when she had her first job to ask me what carbon copy was. Um, Amazing. Amazing. I know I, I was dumbfounded on the phone because I just took for granted that I knew, you know, exactly what, you know, I just assumed she knew what carbon copy was as she should as a Western university grad, you know, it, it was just my assumption, but uh, she was serious when she was whispering in the phone to me. Um, but the new millennials, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful blend. It's, I find it very refreshing when mine come into my office and sit down and they simply want to talk and share and give me the great idea that they have. Yeah. And I think it's important to be open to those great ideas, yeah. new innovation. And I, I would agree with you on the risk factor as well. You know, they're, they're willing to take more risks on the technology side. That's right. Which is great. They, they do. But I, I, as, a, as an industry leader, I 
feel though for the millennials, for, for us in, in the industry as a whole, you know, I make reference to, you know, Dustin Timberlake in one of my presentations, but you have, we have to bring sexy back to logistics because we're going to lose the opportunity of this generation if we don't attract to them, if we don't continue to speak to them. You know, we have to put our knowledge out there that this really is a great spot to be. Yeah, I and I agree with you there as well. I mean, when I first started this podcast, and I bring it back to the podcast, but when I first started the podcast, I called it Two Babes Talk Supply Chain. I did have a co-host, so it made sense with, you know, but we were poking fun at it. You know, our, our tagline was, um, you know, bringing the sexy back into supply chain. And it was purely for that reason, you know, trying to get um, attention right. from, you know, the younger generation. To say, hey, supply chain is not just, you know, boring. It's not stuffy. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of really great people that work and live and breathe this industry that want to share with you their knowledge. They've they've been through so we've been through so much as an industry that there are so many people that can give back to this community and that are exciting, have exciting stories. And can just share exciting things. And because supply chain touches everything that you touch, see, and feel on a daily basis that I don't think people quite realize sometimes, that it can be, supply chain can be learned um, and it can be listened to by pretty much everybody. You don't have to be in this industry. And that is one of my goals with this podcast is to say, hey, you know, supply chain is great. Supply chain is in, uh, is interesting. You might want to learn from some of these great people in the industry. We, exactly, Sarah. My God, that, that's fantastic. That's refreshing. And it's something that we definitely need. You know, you think about the Uberization of the world. And I, I use that, you know, with the technology and how it's changed how we move people and product and Amazon, you know, the, the technology and the big data that comes with that and the younger generation gets it. And it's exciting. You know, you think about what we're doing for um, the self-driven vehicles. You know, I mean, yes, there's a lot of pros and there's a lot of cons with that, but the world will change in supply chain drastically in the next five years. At least five years. I'm even thinking two to five. I mean, I'm working on a project right now that a lot of my listeners know about because I mention it in some of my outros. Um, and just from from that, I'm I'm seeing that there's going to be a big change and shift in the industry. So, Exciting. yeah, yeah, I'm 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 really excited about that. But let's sort of get back to you know working with women and millennials. How does a company benefit from working with? women in supply chain, working with men, m millennials. I mean, and I guess maybe this can be, you know, industry wide or, or maybe not even industry specific. I personally feel women multitask extremely well. And I see that 90% of my team are female. And again, I, I don't do that. I haven't hired women specifically because of gender. I hire the best of the best. And, and we take a long time bringing people into our organization because it's about our culture more than it is about people's experience from the past. And so I think companies benefit from having women and millennials because it's another diverse view on how business can be run. You know, we talk about millennials being the risk takers. We also talk about how 
women can see things differently than how men can see things differently. And, you know, traditionally we've had a very male dominated industry where when we start to bring this other opinion and other skill set in, it allows an organization's bottom line to increase. You know, I think also you mean statistically, there is information that says that a organization that has females in its C-suite and senior management are financially more sound. So you have to question, why wouldn't a company want that mix? Why wouldn't they want women in a senior management role if financially it's going to benefit them? Yeah. And I think just in general, you know, having a mix of different talents, different specialties, you know, on the managerial team, on, you know, the, the, maybe the middle management team, maybe on your, and as well on your C-suite, you have to have a really good mix of that. You've got to have risk takers. You do have to have some conservatives. You have to have multitaskers because some of them will light a fire under the ass of others. Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. You know, they each need to be able to motivate each other in different ways and they each need to be able to learn from each other in different ways. So I, I, uh, I definitely see what you're saying there. So let's turn it over to the other side. You know, what's your advice to women or millennials getting into or who are in supply chain? So some of them, you know, are in school and they're taking a look at supply chain as a career path, you know, and, and, I'm guessing your advice would differ between the two, right? Because some of them are also already in supply chain and and maybe in different positions. They might not be working for the right company for them, you know, and and sort of what is your advice to those two different sets and groups of people in the industry? Well, this was advice that I was given many, many years ago. Um, And the saying is dress for the job you want, not the job you have. And I say that not suggesting everyone run off to Holt Renfrew or Harry Rosen or, you know, Prada to buy the most expensive dress or suit, but to dress for the job you want, not you dress job you have is how you educate yourself, how you see yourself progressing in an organization, um, how you handle yourself, your reputation, um, your learnings putting yourself out there for risk. So when we do that, it allows us to grow and it allows us to continually think ahead and to continually be ready for change, which I think is really key, especially as we move forward in the next five, eight, 10 years, there's going to be a lot of change. So with that, I advise, you know, if it be millennial or women is, is to dress for the job you want, not the job you have, because the world is evolving very quickly. But with that, you want to be also prepared and you want to be thinking about where you're going to be next and what you'd like to do next. Yeah. I think a big part of that is to take a look at the innovators in the industry right now and sort of see what they're doing, um, how those changes are going to affect the industry and maybe take a look at, you know, how you can fit into that. Exactly. Yeah. Keeping your skill set up, you know, going, taking courses, reading, my goodness, we learn so much by reading. I I believe uh, Warren Buffett is claimed to that he spends 80% of his day reading and educating himself. And 
You know, it's amazing. And you think of the success he's had, you know, through his philanthropy work and success as a, one of the best business people in, in the world. Um, how he educates himself is, is to be commended. Yeah. And I, I think with all of the information that's sort of coming at everybody as well, um, it doesn't surprise me that he spends 80% of his time reading because it's, it's very, very difficult to keep on top of everything. Um, yeah. And I come back to podcasts. I mean, you don't necessarily have to, I mean, I do want everybody to listen to mine, but podcasts in general allow you to be able to have access, you know, to different industry leaders on different topics, you know, while you're driving your car. Right. Exactly. And Sarah, you're doing a great job at it. Great. (laughs) <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm trying. I'm trying. But no, I just, I just feel that there's a lot of different ways to educate yourself, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and it's not all just books. You know, now we have so much at our fingertips, you know, even exactly. on the internet with different articles and just keeping on top of everything. And it can seem overwhelming sometimes, but you just need to make sure that the time that you're spending on these things are, you know, on podcasts or books or articles that really make sense to what you want and what you want, want to do in your career. So very much, very much. You know, you think about how much time it's so easy to access anything. Everyone's on their iPhones or, you know, their, their cell phones and you sit in an elevator. I mean, you can grab so much information just being on the elevator. Yeah. And nowadays they have the news stickers at the top of the elevator. I saw it yesterday (laughs) and you can actually get some of your news from the news stickers in the elevator on the way up to your meeting. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Well, listen, I don't really want to wind this down, but we're coming to the end of the, of the interview. I have just loved having you on the show and, you know, just talking about all these things that are happening in the industry and for women in supply chain and millennials. I think you are such a wealth of knowledge and great advice for our listeners and for younger generations looking to come into the industry. So let's finish this off. You know, what's next for Morai Logistics? What's next for Morai Logistics? Well, we thoroughly enjoy um, doing business in Mexico. And so what's next for us is continuing our business relationships um, down in Mexico for cross-border business. Um, We've had the opportunity to develop a great relationship with our suppliers down there and our clients and um, continuing to hire Spanish-speaking team team members. I mean, that's really an area that we're going to concentrate on. We find it really rewarding in many uh, aspects of our business. And it's a a great growth opportunity that we're going to continue to develop. And as a result, we see a lot of millennials in that. We see a lot of females, a lot of males. So it's, uh, it's going to be new and exciting for us. And uh, we're going to continue that um, also complemented with our social media campaign, which has been very, very successful for us. Awesome. Well, I love that. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys are doing in the future. Um, everybody, I'm going to have, you know, their social media links on our site. So make sure you get connected with them as well. So the team at Morai and I have worked together and have come up with some amazing goodies for our listeners. Um, I mentioned it before, but we will have a download about this topic. Uh, plus, we will have a special link for even more free information about the future of shipping and 
even, even more. So check it out at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode eight. If you want to connect with Kelly, look her up on LinkedIn or visit their website at M-O-R-A-I logistics, L-O-G-I-S-T-I-C-S dot com. Thank you again, Kelly. This was amazing. And I can't wait for the listeners to hear, hear this show. Oh, thanks so much, Sarah. This is a lot of fun. If you liked this episode, be sure to check out the other Women in Supply Chain series episodes that, and I have them all listed on the homepage at letstalksupplychain.com. Or if you're interested in working with millennials, go all the way back to season one, episode two, to hear from Andrea from APQC about why you need to hire them. If you want to learn a little bit more about ships, check out my episode on can innovate podcast listed on the homepage under Sarah on other podcasts. And please remember to go to ships.com. That's S H I P Z.com and sign up so that you are one of the first people to know about what we are working on. If you like listening, let me know and write me a rating and review on iTunes. We will feature you in an upcoming episode. That's a wrap on another amazing show. Have a great day. And remember, everybody, ship happens.